Improving Your Evangelism. Ray Comfort is our guest today as we discuss that topic right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Worldview is a nonprofit, listener supported radio ministry. When you make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, or order resources, it helps us cover our airtime costs on radio stations and pay our wonderful staff to answer your calls, send you resources, do audio production, and all the administration and logistics of the ministry that goes on behind the scenes. We want you to support your local church first, and if you have extra to support the Christian Worldview, we are grateful. So thank you. Before being martyred in Rome, the Apostle Paul wrote to the younger pastor, Timothy, this final exhortation. Be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's from 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. The message is the same for all Christians today. We are living in a day where wickedness abounds and is flaunted openly. We are living in a day where ear-tickling teachers are rampant within the professing church who lead listeners away from sound doctrine and saving faith. In the midst of all this, man's most desperate need is still the same for every person everywhere to be saved, to be born again, to be justified by God. The alternative, someone dying without trusting in Christ, should just gnaw at our souls. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Ray Comfort, the author of a new book we are featuring today titled, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, who is also the president of Living Waters, a ministry committed to evangelizing the lost and training believers to reach them, is our guest today on the program. He will explain how every Christian is called to, quote, do the work of an evangelist and how to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Ray is also going to answer some of the tough questions, such as, what if someone doesn't believe the Bible is true? How do you use the Bible to reach them? Is repentance a part of saving faith? Or is repentance an added work to the gospel? Or how does God's sovereignty and man's responsibility or man's will dovetail in salvation. And finally, we will hear about Living Water's major evangelistic outreach during this summer's coronation of King Charles in England. Before we get to Ray, just a few things to keep in mind as we discuss evangelism today. Number one, every Christian is called to take part in the Great Commission. Jesus' final words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, were, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That does not mean everyone is called to be an overseas missionary or evangelist, but some are, but it does mean that every Christian should be striving to, quote, make disciples right where we are through proclaiming the gospel, and and if they come to saving faith, helping them along, teaching them to become a disciple of Christ. The second thing to keep in mind is 
Every Christian is not suited to be a street evangelist like Ray Comfort. Ray gets up, gets on his bike with his dog who wears sunglasses, and engages people with the gospel wherever he goes. That being said, some of you listening today are suited and gifted to do just that. But at least every Christian needs to pray for people and opportunities to prepare to explain the gospel and proclaim it in their course of life. And that is what this program is for today, to move you down the road in your evangelism. It's easy to get complacent with evangelism because evangelism is work. What does that verse say? Do the work of an evangelist. It's just much easier to have shallow, superficial conversations in life rather than looking for opportunities and taking them to bring up conversations about eternal things like the gospel. The third thing to keep in mind today is every Christian doesn't have to use Ray's exact evangelistic method of going through some of the Ten Commandments before giving the gospel. But that's a very effective method because understanding one has sinned against holy God and is awaiting eternal judgment makes the need to repent and trust in God's provision, Jesus Christ, for our sin that much clearer. However you proclaim the gospel, you at least must communicate these things. Who God is, that he is the creator and just judge of the universe. Number two, that we, men and women, are sinners before a holy God and the wages of our sin is physical and eternal death. And that who Jesus Christ is, that he is God's provision for our sin through his person, his perfect life, and his work on the cross and his resurrection. And number four, that all are called to repent and believe in Christ for salvation. However you explain the gospel, those elements must be included. The fourth thing to keep in mind is this. Ray Comfort is a model to be intentional, biblical, and reasonable in evangelism. And just hearing from him, watching his videos, reading his books, such as the one we're offering today, will help you improve your own evangelism. Just take some small steps, knowing that you're not responsible for saving anyone. That is God's power to do through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But you are called as a Christian to sow the seed of the gospel. We'll talk more after the interview about how to pray for, how to prepare, and how to proclaim the gospel. But first, here's Ray Comfort of Living Waters and author of the book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. Ray, it's so good to have you back on the Christian Worldview radio program. I want to start out by reading from page 16 of your brand new book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. And it says, if sinners truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, they will trust him for their eternal salvation. If they don't believe, they won't trust him. And if they won't trust him and end up dying in their sins, they will be damned. And then you go on to write, we must plead with them to believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, and to obey the gospel. And it seems to me in reading your book that that is really the thesis of this new book of yours. Talk about this priority of a Christian's life to tell others about this gospel that can save them from judgment and hell. And how did this priority become the top priority of your own personal life? About a year ago, 
I saw a, an atheist T-shirt that said, so many Christians, so few lions. And I thought, man, that's about as culturally sensitive as so many Jews, so few Nazi ovens, so many blacks, so few lynching ropes. And I was mad. And I wrote that book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, out of an anger, a righteous indignation, because it seems the church has forgot that people are going to hell. You know, if death isn't bad enough, after death, the judgment, what a horrific thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mark sixteen fifteen is a reproach on human nature. The Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's shameful that we have to be commanded. Think of a doctor. He finds a cure to cancer all around him, a dying patients, and you have to say to him, Doc, take that cure to those patients. No, he shouldn't have to be told. He should run to them if he cares about them. And we should run to the lost instead of having to be commanded and dragging our feet and saying, you know, I'd rather do anything than reach the lost. I know evangelism is what Spurgeon called an irksome task, and I'd rather not be involved in evangelism, but I'm a Christian. I'm like a firefighter. A firefighter doesn't give up being a firefighter just because he's got a 60-foot ladder to climb to save a woman and her two children from a burning building. He doesn't say to himself, oh, I'm going home. I'd rather be with a wife and kids watching an old black and white movie. No, he's a firefighter, so he has to ignore his fears and think of the fate of that woman and her two children. And that's what the Christian should be like. Others, having compassion, save with fear, pulling them from the fire, hating them in the garment spotted by the flesh. And you asked, you know, how do I obtain my impetus, the zeal? It's a high-octane fuel of gratitude. I realized way back in 1972, suddenly when I saw the holiness of God via his law, that I was condemned to hell if God gave me justice, and yet he gave me mercy. He took from me death and replaced it with everlasting life, and I cannot ex express the gratitude that I have to God for saving me from death. And what I can't express in words, I want to express in work. So I've been zealous all my life, never lost my love of God. It hasn't wavered for a second. In the same way, I have never lost my love for my wife. Our marriage is as strong as it was 50-something years ago because I love my wife, and it's a choice. It's an act of will, and it's the same with God. And once we've seen the cross, how can we not love God because he first loved us? Mm, so well said. <clears throat> Thank you, Ray. Ray Comfort with us today on The Christian Worldview. Let's move to an interesting portion of your new book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. On page 28, you write, I believe one of the greatest hindrances, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to people coming to Christ is their failure to understand the difference between belief in God and having faith in God. Most think those are synonymous, but they're not. What do you mean by that? Well, atheism is a phenomena that's just raised its ugly head in recent years. It's nothing. It's, you can't find many atheists in history. They're loners. And that's why in the Bible, the Old Testament, it only devotes 11 words to atheists. Uh, Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Psalm 53 repeats it in case we don't get the message so that when we meet an atheist, we don't say, oh, this is intellectual. Just the opposite. It's an educated fool. And so I never spend too much time trying to convince an atheist that God exists because I know he believes God exists because he's got the heavens declaring the glory of God. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Therefore, they are without excuse. And often I'll say to an atheist, hey, I want you to be honest with me. This denial of God's existence has nothing to do with your intellect. It's all to do with the fact that you're looking at pornography and having sex with your gorgeous girlfriend. Am I right? 
And often they'll smirk and say, yeah, you are right. Mm. Remember the, the prodigal son? I went to a far country to get away from his father because you know what he wanted to do. He knew what he wanted to do would have been frowned on by his father. Riotous living, and it looks like he spent his substance on prostitutes. So he went, he went to a far country. Atheism is simply a far country. It's as far away as a sinner can get from God. Like Adam hid from God once he knew he had sinned. So I don't try and convince an atheist or anyone to believe in God because I know God's given light to every man. They have a knowledge of God's existence. What I want them to do is trust in Jesus. I want to share with them the gospel. Often I'll hear people say to me, look, what say someone doesn't believe the Bible? Are we stumped? Not at all. Unbelievers are called unbelievers because they don't believe. So for an unbeliever to say, I don't believe the Bible, that's not a stump. That's that's understandable. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and convince them the Bible's the word of God. The early church didn't do that. They didn't have a compiled New Testament. There was no such thing as the printing press. Hardly anyone could read. No, it was the gospel they were told to preach, and it was the gospel they believed to be saved. The gospel is the power of God to salvation, not acknowledging that God's word is God's word indeed. And once someone is born again through the power of the gospel, then God opens the eyes of their understanding. The word of God comes alive, and you understand the scriptures for the first time in your life. And so... The difference between intellectual belief and trust is the difference between life and death. Often people will say, you know, I I find having faith in God so hard. And that's such an insult. Try that with your wife. Honey, I don't trust you. I find it hard to trust you. You're going to be sleeping on the couch. You might even wreck a marriage if you don't have faith in your wife. Say to your boss, I don't trust you. You're going to lose your job for sure. It won't be long. So... What we want sinners to do is not believe in God's existence, but have faith in his promises. And even when it comes to intellectual belief, beliefs govern our our steps. You know, if I said to you, Dave, there's a landmine right in front of you, right where you're walking. If you believed, you'd go around it. If you didn't believe, you'd step onto it. So faith is very powerful. We have faith in our cars. Every time you pull up to a stop sign, you're trusting your life to your brakes. You watch the pedestrians trusting their life to your brakes. They don't even know you. They'll step out in front of your car while you're still zooming up at 20, 30 miles an hour, and they'll just step out because they trust those lights, and they trust your brakes, and they trust your sanity. We trust pilots when we get into a plane. We don't say, I want to smell your breath to see if you're drinking alcohol. We trust the mechanics that put the plane together. So life works by faith, Mm -hmm. and so does heaven. Without faith or trust, it's impossible to please God. Ray Comfort with us today here on the Christian Worldview Radio Program, the author of So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, subtitle, Living Without Compromise in a World in Need of Truth. This is our new featured resource. It will spur you to get moving or to keep moving in your call to evangelism. The book is 192 pages, soft cover, and retails for sixteen ninety nine. For a limited time, you can order it for a gift of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Just go to our website to order, thechristianworldview.org. Call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233. Or you can write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. We have much more coming up with Ray Comfort here today as we talk about improving your evangelism. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to the Christian Worldview Radio Program. You pray for revival. 
as if it must come, but you go on working as if it will not come. We must carry on witnessing for Christ, living a holy life, seeking to know Christ better, following his ways, following his path, making unity and peace among God's people wherever we can, supporting the preaching of the word by our prayers and our encouragement, and being, quite frankly, godly Christians. That was from the film Revival, The Work of God, which surveys some of the great revivals of the past 500 years. This two-hour, two-disc DVD documentary is our new featured resource. Normal retail is $40 plus shipping, and for a limited time, you can order the film for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org, call one 646 2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Here's a unique resource and product for you from The Christian Worldview. We put the top 15 programs of 2022 on a great-looking bamboo USB flash drive adorned with the Christian Worldview logo. Programs like, What is the Christian's Duty to God versus Government? 12 Mega Clues that Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. How America's New Woke Religion is Not Good News. Transhumanism and the Quest to Be Like God. And What Really Happens When You're Born Again. Simply plug the flash drive into the USB port on your Windows or Mac device and you will have the top programs at your fingertips. Plus, with the large 4GB capacity, you'll have plenty of extra space to load your own files. The flash drive is $25 and you can order by calling one 646 2233 going to org, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our topic today is improving your evangelism. And who better on that topic than Ray Comfort, our guest? He is the president of Living Waters. Livingwaters.com is their website. Or you can go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, where we have links over to Living Waters. We would highly encourage you to watch some of their evangelism videos. They have lots of them that will just stimulate you and help you understand what you might encounter when you have a conversation with someone about the gospel. Ray, continuing with our discussion today, Jesus said one of the first things that he's recorded to have said as he entered ministry in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Here's what he said. Repent and believe in the gospel. This issue of repentance, you just talked about the importance of trusting in Christ, not just believing intellectually in who God is or that Jesus existed, but transferring your trust from yourself and your own works to trusting in what Christ did for you on the cross. But what about this issue of repentance, right? What is repentance? And you do address this in the book. How does it tie in with salvation? And how do you answer the person who says, well, Sometimes it doesn't talk about repentance well, just John 3, 16, just believe in Jesus. Is it adding works to salvation to say someone must repent of their sin? Yeah, I get this a lot, almost daily on our YouTube channel. 
you heretic, you, you are preaching work salvation because you're telling people repent of your sins. Then they say in the same sentence, all you have to do is believe. And they're doing exactly what they're accusing me of. They're saying the sinner has to do something. He has to believe. That's works righteousness. We're neither saved by belief nor by repentance. We're saved by grace and grace alone without works. We're saved by grace through faith. And the way to receive that that gift of God is through repentance and believing or trusting. As Jesus said, repent and believe. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Those who are so accusatory and those who say you just have to believe are often nasty. And they're revealing their own hearts. They're totally without reason. And like I said, they're nasty. They seem to lack the fruit of gentleness and love and patience and kindness. And it's probably because they've never seen their own sin. If you open up the divine law, the Ten Commandments, and show any sinner that God considers lust to be adultery, hatred to be murder, anger without cause, you're in danger of judgment, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and all liars love their part in the lake of fire. Once they see their sin and truth, that necessitates repentance. You can't have fellowship with the Holy God while you're committing sin. You can't call yourself a Christian when you're fornicating and looking at pornography and blaspheming God's name, but that's what these people say it's okay to do because all you have to do is believe in Jesus. No, repent and believe. That's the order. Repent and believe. Not believe and repent sometimes later. If you do that, you're not saved you're not, while you're still in your sin. So it's an essential doctrine, and it's one that's thoroughly uh, commanded in Scripture. So many places the Bible speaks of repentance unto life. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And so uh, we've got to keep preaching repentance and don't listen to the naysayers that don't really know Scripture. Yeah, I agree. And it seems that belief in Christ implies that you understand what are you believing in? You're believing that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You're believing in His perfect life and that you're a sinner and you need Him to save you. So it makes perfect sense that you would you would have to turn away from your sin and repent to believe in Christ it's just implied in the even the nature of believing in Christ ray comfort with us today on the christian worldview okay here's a tough one for you ray i want to read two passages of scripture and i want you to try to explain in the best way you know how just how to best understand the issue of god's sovereignty and salvation and man's responsibility to believe Romans 8:29 For those whom God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he Christ would be the firstborn among many many brethren these whom he predestined he also called and these whom he called he also justified and these whom he justified he also glorified so there is this chain of God foreknowing or foreloving and predestining and then and calling them, and then justifying them, and eventually glorifying them. It's like, it's, it's of God. And yet, many times in Scripture, let's say the most well-known passage in Scripture, for God so loved the world, in John three sixteen that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There's the responsibility of man. You must repent and believe, as if you were just answering in the last question. Now, I've heard many, many respected preachers say that it's it's impossible to intellectually, our human minds can't perfectly understand how this works. So how do you best understand God's sovereignty in salvation and man's responsibility to believe in salvation? 
Well, I have no trouble whatsoever. I'm often accused of being a Calvinist, but I'm actually a Calvinistic Armenianist. I tiptoe through the tulip. I'm very careful because I don't want to cut myself off from equipping Christians to share their faith by some people labeling me, but I have no trouble with the sovereignty of God. I don't breathe without God giving me the ability to breathe. And so the, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man I see in Lazarus's raising from the dead. He was dead four days. He stinketh. He can't do anything to raise himself. Jesus raises him from the dead. He could have stayed in that cave stinking just with those filthy rags around him. But he got up of his own free will and walked out of that tomb. And so that, I think, is salvation. God makes us alive, and by our own free will, we respond. We're made alive by the grace of God. So the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, no trouble, two wings of a plane. And it's so sad that there are so many that cut themselves off from others by going to one wing or the other or just bring some sort of crash. Yeah. Now, Ray, there's there's common impediments, maybe you could call them fears, <laughs> to telling others about the gospel. There's telling someone we know personally, maybe a family member or a close friend, we know them for a, a long time. We, we know, we, we anticipate what their response can be, and we fear that there might be a relationship breakdown if we kind of push too hard on this, or maybe we fear a hostile reaction of someone, like a, someone in our workplace or so forth, or maybe we're ashamed of being perceived as foolish. You believe something so simple and so religious as that? So what are some of the important stages of growth? Because I'm sure you are at a different place than when you were first saved, as you describe in the book. What are some of the important stages of growth in courage that God has taken you through to, to boldly proclaim the gospel? Well, as a new Christian, I was like a bull in a china shop. Just, I was like a crazy man who had found everlasting life, and all around him were people who were dying. That's how I felt, and I still feel exactly the same. But I was like Peter. I had zeal without knowledge. I got a sword of God's word and cut off ears. You, you, you share with loved ones and don't use the wisdom that often takes time. You're going to cut their ears off like Peter did. So it's very important to realize that you need zeal with knowledge, not zeal without knowledge. And if I could have gone back to my early years and spoken to my family instead of just saying, look, here's four, four laws, say this prayer, and almost coerce them into praying, I would just say, do you think there's an afterlife? That's been my salvation when it comes to sharing my faith. That's what takes Goliath down to Zacchaeus. I used to sit on planes, and the guy next to me looked just so intimidating. Didn't matter who it was, I was terrified as I sat there. How am I going to bring the subject up? Or look out the window, clouds. Guess who made the clouds? Oh. And that was the dilemma I had until I discovered maybe 30 years ago that question, do you think there's an afterlife? And, you know, I believe in building relationships with people before I witness to them. Sometimes I'll build a relationship for one, maybe two minutes. There was a guy just come around to put a box for our television set and we needed to get it changed. His name was Chris. I invited him in, asked if he'd like some eggs because our chickens lay eggs, gave him a the gift card, which softened his heart. And as I sat next to him, as he worked, I said, Chris, got a question for you. Do you think there's an afterlife? That was about two minutes. That's building that relationship. Didn't take two years. And Chris just said, oh, boy, no, I don't. I said, really? He said, actually, my daughter, she's 15, asked me if I believed in God the other day, or I asked her or something, and had a great time with them. 
And so that question, do you think there's an afterlife, is such an easy way to bring up the subject without bringing up the subject. You don't mention God, Jesus, heaven, hell, the Bible, sin, righteousness, judgment to come. All you do is say, hey, Uncle Arthur, I've got a question for you. Do you think there's an afterlife? Just let him talk. Find out what he believes and try and address his concerns. And that's been my biggest tool in my toolbox when uh, witnessing to strangers. And then where do you go from there? I uh, stay in the room. I say to them something like, do you think heaven exists? And if he says no, I just say, well, if, if it did, are you going to make it there? Are you a good person? That little if it does is a great little can opener. Are you going to make it to heaven if it exists? And because remember, he's an unbeliever. And he says, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm a good. And that's when I open up the commandments. Just said to this guy, Chris, well, tell me how many lies you're told. He says, a stack. Stolen something? Yeah. Use God's name in vain? Mm-hmm. Would you do that with your mother's name? Used as a cuss word? He says, never. You've done it with the God who gave you a mother. It's called blasphemy, Chris. Big, serious. Thanks for listening to me. Appreciate your patience. One to go. Do you know, if you look at a woman, lust after her, Jesus said, commit adultery in your heart. And so you go through those commandments, and suddenly Chris is saying, I'm heading for hell, and that's when the gospel makes sense. You don't give a cure to a man who doesn't believe he's got the disease. He's going to say, I don't want a cure. I'm healthy. Get out of my face. What you do, if you know what you're doing as a doctor, is you show him the x-rays, convince him that he's dying. That's when you bring out the cure. Once he says, what will I do? And the x-ray is God's commandments. That's what Jesus expounded. He gave us the x-rays in the Sermon on the Mount. All it is is expounding the law and making it honorable and showing God requires truth in the inward parts. And the law convinces us of sin, shows us our disease, so we'll appreciate the cure of the gospel. And I would just encourage you, if you're listening today, if you want to see how Ray shares the gospel with with people just on the street, people he runs into, go to their website, livingwaters.com, or go to their app you can see all kinds of witnessing encounters. You will learn a lot how to interact and kind of things to say and just how Ray uh, takes people through what he just mentioned, the law, and uh, helps them understand their own sinfulness because when they realize they're sinners, that then they're in danger of God's judgment, then the good news seems that much more good. So I really encourage listeners to do that. And speaking of showing people their sin, on page 145 of your new book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, You write, thanks to the scriptures, here is what we know about the average sinner. You wrote down five things. He is, and you have some verses next to these as well. He is proud. Number two, he knows nothing, 1 Corinthians 8. Number three, loves to argue. Number four, has a corrupt mind. And number five, is destitute of the truth. The question is, When you take people through the law, the commandments, and help them realize they're sinners, well, you're making people feel badly. You're you're bringing up negative things. This goes back to the old caricature people have of Christians. They're, you know, fire and brimstone and this kind of thing. So talk about the importance, Ray, of, of forthright communication, truthfulness, and yet doing it with grace. How do you achieve that balance? You just watch your tone. I remember many years ago, I had a my uh, drug prevention center in the Regent Theater building, and one day the phone rang. It was like before 7 o'clock in the morning. It woke me up, and a friend just said, Ray, the Regent Theater building's on fire. And it was. <laughs> he had no trouble convincing me because of his tone. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't like in a joking way or anything. It was, Ray, the Regent Theater is on fire. And I believed, and I jumped up when it certainly was. 
we've got to convince the world that their house is on fire, that they're lying asleep in bed. We've got to arouse them, let them smell the smoke, let fear fill their heart, because if they don't fear and they don't believe, they're not going to run out of that building. They're going to lay in bed and say, oh, I can smell the smoke. I'm not alarmed. I'm not concerned. And so our tone is so important. And often I'll say to people, can you hear a concern in my tone? And they say, yeah, it's because I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. I'd weep if I heard tonight that you died in a car crash or you got cancer and you died. It'd break my heart because I love you. And some people have said to me, how can you love me? I'm just a stranger. And I said, well, look, if you see your strangers getting into a car and it's downhill and it's a thousand foot cliff, 100 yards in front of them, and you know those brakes are going to fail, you'll go up and you'll bang on that window and you'll say, get out of your car because you love them. The strangers you're concerned because you love them and you're concerned for what's going to happen to them. And that's exactly how we should be with the lost. The love of Christ should constrain us. It should burn within us. And so the tone is very important and the words we choose are very important. If you uh, see someone in, in a house that's on fire and they're asleep, you would choose your words. You'd go up and say, get out of this house. It's on fire. Do it now. You wouldn't talk about their garden. You wouldn't talk about how old the house is. You wouldn't talk about issues that don't matter. You'd go straight. You'd cut to the chase. And that's what we've got to do with sinners. And the way to cut the chase with sinners is just bring up those commandments. Mm -hmm. Let them smell the smoke. Take them out of unconcern to concern to being anxious to where they run out of their home, to where they repent and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. Ray, comfort with us today on the Christian Worldview radio program. We're talking about so many lions, so few Daniels, the, the call to take the good news of the gospel and proclaim it and explain it to those we encounter in life courageously and boldly. And this book by Ray Comfort is our new featured resource. It will spur you on to, to get moving or to keep moving in your evangelism. It's 192 pages, soft cover, and retails for sixteen ninety nine. And for a limited time, you can order it for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Just go to our website to order, thechristianworldview.org. Call us toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Stay tuned. We have more coming up with Ray Comfort on improving your evangelism. I'm David Wheaton, and you are listening to The Christian Worldview. What is The Christian Worldview radio program really about? Fundamentally, it's about impacting people, families, churches, with the life and eternity-changing truth of God's Word. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message that saves us from God's wrath, by God's grace, for God's glory. And we know the Bible is the inspired Word of God, providing the only way to think and live to the glory of God. We are a nonprofit listener-supported ministry. If you would like to help us impact listeners with the biblical worldview and the gospel, consider becoming a Christian worldview partner who regularly give a specified amount to the ministry. As a thank you, Christian worldview partners automatically receive many of the resources featured on the program throughout the year. To become a Christian Worldview partner, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. You pray for revival as if it must come, but you go on working as if it will not come. We must carry on witnessing for Christ, living a holy life, seeking to know Christ better, following his ways, following his path, 
making unity and peace among God's people wherever we can, supporting the preaching of the word by our prayers and our encouragement, and being, quite frankly, godly Christians. That was from the film Revival, The Work of God, which surveys some of the great revivals of the past 500 years. This two-hour, two-disc DVD documentary is our new featured resource. Normal retail is $40 plus shipping, and for a limited time, you can order the film for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org, call one 646 2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Our topic today is Improving Your Evangelism, and our guest is Ray Comfort, the author of So Many Lions, So Few Daniels, and also the president of Living Waters Ministry. Livingwaters.com is their website, or we have links over to them from our website, thechristianworldview.org. Ray, I really like the quote you had by Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon. Page 34 of your book, you quote him by saying, and yet sinner, this is Spurgeon writing, this is your present position. Like there's a storm coming, no drops have fallen as of yet, but a shower of fire is coming. No terrible winds howl around you, but God's tempest is gathering its dread artillery. Where, 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 O sinner, will you hide your head? Or where will you run to? May the hand of mercy lead you now to Christ. He is freely set before you in the gospel. His pure side is the place of shelter. You know your need of him. Believe in him. Cast yourself upon him. And then the fury shall be past forever. I just love that kind of preaching because it's the truth. It's about Mm -hmm. heaven and hell are real. We wouldn't want anyone, our worst enemy to go to hell. So we should have boldness to tell them the truth and love, as you just mentioned. So, Ray, I want to bring this down to the local church, though, because this is the institution that God has promised to bless, his body. What is your exhortation to pastors listening today, those part of a local church, where there needs to be a stronger preaching of the full counsel of God about sin, righteousness, and judgment? and pursuing the Great Commission, what what is your exhortation to really bolster and encourage churches and people in churches to really take seriously and to prioritize giving the gospel to the lost? Congregations will imitate their pastor. They listen to him so much, they'll even pick up some of his phrases. So if the pastor has a bent for prophecy, so will his church. He'll reproduce after his own kind. If the pastor has a bent... For the will of God to seek and save that which is lost, because that's why Christ died. That's what the cross is all about. He'll reproduce after his own kind. They'll become soul winners. And so I said, every pastor, join a racquetball club, join a tennis club, join a golf club and rub shoulders with the ungodly, deliberately witnessing to them. One a week you're going to do and you're going to share that conversation you have with that person from the pulpit so the church that you're that you're teaching will say oh pastor condescends to the lowly task of evangelism how cool is that and they'll imitate him lead the flock of god don't tell them lead them lead by example and uh 
that would be my be my advice to pastors and then preach the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the justice of God. Study biblical evangelism. Check out our YouTube channel and watch people being witnessed to and realize atheists are not not something to be intimidated by and how you can bring the subject up by just saying, do you think there's an afterlife and teach your flock to do that or even show some of our videos to your congregation to encourage them uh, that it's not as difficult as what you think. That's why I'm thrilled about when people say, I watch the channel a lot. I think I can do this because every sin is exactly the same. That's exactly right. We all are sinners in need of salvation. Ray, I want to make sure we talk about this evangelistic outreach that you are doing during the coronation of King Charles this coming summer. Tell us more about that. About six months ago, I began thinking King Charles on the 6th of May before a congregation of literally hundreds of millions around the world live feed into a church service is going to reach out his hand and lay it on the Bible and swear to uphold the biblical truth of salvation by grace through faith without works. He's going to carry an orb which is symbolic of a the globe, the world, with a cross on the top, speaking of the reign of Jesus Christ over the whole earth. He's going to be given a number of swords. One is a blunt sword, the sword of mercy, speaking of the gospel. Another sword is a sharp sword, speaking of the justice of God or judgment day. There are 10 things that are going to take place in that two to three hour church service the world is going to witness, and they're all centering on God, Jesus, the Bible. And so I began thinking, man, it'd be great to produce a gospel track with a picture of Charles on one side and the gospel on the other and give them away to the millions that are lining the streets of London. And so I made a video, sent it to my team, and just after I sent the video, I got an email from a gentleman. He said, what are you working on? So I sent him the video, and he sent the ministry $200,000. Oh, wow. Showed someone else the video, he sent $50,000. Showed someone else, and they sent $100,000. So we had millions of these tracks printed, originally $7 million, now it's up to $14 million. And we're giving them away free of charge and free shipping. Hear that? Free shipping, free of charge. Anyone in Canada, the U.S., Europe, United Kingdom, Australia, and New Zealand. And so far in the U.S., 6.1 million tracks have gone out. In the United Kingdom, something like 2 million. They've had 5 million printed. And we're encouraging. I think there's 1,800 Christians in the United Kingdom are going to London to give out these tracts to the millions that are lying the streets of this gold coach with a king in it and people calling out, God save the king. 500 people have committed to go to London from the U.S., And so this is a wonderfully unique opportunity to bring the gospel. I mean, when in history have hundreds of millions of the world gone to church? We're not endorsing King Charles. We're just doing exactly what Paul did in Acts 17 when he preached to the Athenians. He quoted sinful, pagan, fornicating, blasphemous Greek poets. What did he do that for? Well, he wanted to use them as a bridge to reach his hearers. He knew they respected the Greek poets, so he used them as a springboard. And that's all we're doing with the coronation. We have our king. We're celebrating not the coronation of an earthly king, but the coronation of a heavenly king and celebrating the fact that millions are going to get the gospel all because of this outreach. People want free tracks, free shipping. They just need to go to uh, livingwaters.com forward slash London, livingwaters.com forward slash London, and it's easy and we'll mail them to you anywhere in the U.S. or anywhere in Europe, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. This is what we love about you, Ray, and your ministry, Living Waters, is you, you look at that, the coronation of the king as an opportunity. 
you know, not to get out of town, but to get there, get in the middle of it, run toward where unbelievers are that need to hear the gospel. So, so, so good. And we have those links at our website as well, thechristianworldview.org, if you want to get involved in that or get a copy of Ray's new book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. Let me just follow up on a question uh, related to that. The society in Britain and in America has really entered just a full-throated God-rejection stage. It's just, um, we see it everywhere with morality and just the violence and the crime and the worldview. And you just, you mentioned the institution of society, and it's just one thing after the other is just complete full God-rejection mode. As I was reading your book, I was thinking, how will Jesus rule over this world when he returns to reign? We hold to the millennial view that he's going to reign for a literal thousand years. Not assuming you do, but I know you believe in Jesus' return to reign. How do you think Jesus is going to reign over a world that will turn into one that rejects him? What King Charles is going to do is hold on to a scepter. It's a rod that's symbolic and uh, finds its roots in the scepter that, or the wooden rod that Moses held and opened up the Red Sea. He stuck his rod out and God honored that. The rod speaks of authority. And we know when Charles has that rod in his hand, that scepter in his hand, that shows him that he has a certain authority, but it's under the authority of God. Well, the Bible tells us when the King of Kings comes, when the Lord of Lords comes, he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. It's not going to be wood. It's not breakable. This is a rod of iron. And all the nations to the Lord is a drop in a bucket. And that, I think the original I heard once is that's not a bucket of water with a drop in it, it's a bucket that's been tipped up and over, and the drip is dropped out. All the nations together are absolutely nothing compared to God. And so uh, one click of God's finger, if I may use an anthropomorphic phrase, uh, and all the nations will obey him, because he can rain fire down from heaven if he so wishes. He can give us the itchies. <laughs> you know, you look at some of the diseases that just drive us crazy in this life. I'd hate to be uh, under God's judgment and receive it, because the Bible actually describes men in the book of Revelation enough to give you a nightmare, have your hair stand on the end, where they'll gnaw their tongues in pain and blaspheme the name of God because of his judgment. So I'd rather fall onto the face of the sun than fall into the hands of the living yeah. God on judgment day. It's a fearful thing. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. And this is the final question for you, Ray. Your book has so much about Daniel, and he's one of the heroes of Scripture. You know, his life, I, I don't believe, I can't remember anything negative being written about Daniel in Scripture, as opposed to other heroes of the Bible, like King David and and others. There were negative, even Moses and so forth. There were you know, obvious sins that were written about them, but Daniel, there wasn't. Not to say he was sinless, of course. But he lived in this very contrary culture, taken out of Israel, taken to Babylon. It was a godless, idol-worshiping place. And yet he was able to live out his faith in God there very publicly, boldly, served under many different kings. And he not only just lived in a corner there, he was very prominent in that society. So as we close today, Ray, what should we as listeners to the program and what you've been talking about today, what should we be emulating through the power of the Holy Spirit? What took place in Daniel's life as applies to how he lived his life and then how he proclaimed about who God is? Yeah, I was behind the door when talent was given out. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't run. I'm short. There's not much I can do. 
but I can have faith in God. Anyone can have faith. You can have faith in your car. You can have faith in a plane. You can. A lot of people have faith in parachutes, faith in other people. Some people still have faith in politicians. So faith is something we can all exercise. It's a level playing field. And so you're going to do as great a things for God as, as much as you have faith in him. And Daniel had faith in God. The Bible tells us, book of Hebrews, he stopped the mouth of lions through his faith in God. And so have faith in God. Don't be intimidated by lions. If the world says back down, don't do this, fling open your windows, pray openly, so to speak. That's what Daniel did. Don't be ashamed. Don't be intimidated. If the, if the world says shut up, I'm going to speak loud. I'm going to lift up my voice as a trumpet and show the people their, their transgressions. Nothing's going to stop me. Say to yourself, a blind, anemic, weak-kneed flea on crutches has more chance of defeating a herd of a thousand wild stampeding elephants than this world has of stopping the will of God. There's nothing they can do to stop God's will. And if you're a Christian, you've aligned yourself with God's will. You've had your Gethsemane experience and said, not my will, but yours be done. Ray, thank you so much for being a model like a Daniel in our lives uh, to boldly preach the gospel, to commit your life to following Christ, to not hold back. We thank you for what you're doing, Living Waters is doing, and we thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview radio program today, and nothing but God's best and grace to you. Thank you, Dave. Well, I hope you gained by listening to Ray Comfort today and that you were spurred on in your own call to evangelize the lost. I know he's had that impact on my own life over the years. And again, our new featured resource is his book, So Many Lions, So Few Daniels. It's 192 pages, soft cover, and retails for $16.99. And for a limited time, you can order it for a donation of any amount to the Christian Realview. And all of our contact information is given immediately following the program. But I just want to conclude the program by reading the passage that was referenced at the beginning Paul's final words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. So know who God is. He is the judge of the living and the dead. Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This was written about 2,000 years ago, and it's the exact same environment we have today. But what does Paul say in verse 5 for Timothy? But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul knew God's purpose for him and for us today, to be an ambassador, one who represents, who speaks for someone who has sent him. God has placed you and me in our own situation at this particular time to represent him. So number one, let's pray daily and ask God that he would help us have greater evangelistic zeal and opportunities. We must have compassion on the lost, that they are on their way to eternity in hell if they don't repent and believe in the gospel. Number two, prepare. Write down your own testimony, including the, the pillars of the gospel, who God is, who we are as sinners, who Christ is as the great Redeemer, and the call to repent and believe 
in Christ. Memorize a few verses. Always use scripture. That is your most powerful tool in evangelism. And finally, from praying to preparing, number three, proclaiming. You don't need to hammer people over the head. You don't need to force it down someone's throat. There's no example of anyone being argued or threatened into salvation. You could just start out by giving them a verse like John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God created us to be in relationship with him. But we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we're under his judgment. But God sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. We must receive that truth by faith. We must repent of our sin and trust in who Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, and what he did for us on the cross. He paid the penalty we deserve to pay. And when we believe in Christ, God promises to forgive us and give us eternal life. Thank you for joining us today on The Christian Worldview. Let's remember Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, preach the gospel, and stand firm. The mission of The Christian Worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us, visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.